You're listening to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Knowledge, techniques, and inspiration for your teaching and your practice. I'm your host, Mado Hesselink. If you're a yoga teacher who loves learning, is passionate about spreading the benefits of yoga, and desires more resources to support your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. Hello, yoga teacher. Welcome to episode 41. This is the first on-air coaching call that I've done in a while. When I first started doing on-air coaching calls, I assumed that they wouldn't get quite as many listens as my other episodes, but that they would still be worth doing because they give you a taste of what it's like to work with me one-on-one. And that has actually not been the case. The on-air coaching calls have actually done really well in terms of listens and downloads and even the feedback that I get from people. I hear that they're really useful for you. So I'm super excited about that because I love doing them. I love being able to provide some free coaching for people in a way, in a format that's actually going to help even more people. So that's really awesome. On today's coaching call, we talk a lot about the purpose and place of cueing and how to make your cues more effective and helpful for your students. We also talk about creating an optimal class schedule and how that can both benefit you and also benefit your students, and why I think you should consider teaching privates even if you don't feel quite ready. My guest for today's episode, Allison Tyler, has been teaching for about two years, and she currently teaches a whole bunch of different types of classes at different days of the week and different times. Let's get started with the coaching session, and afterwards, I'll share some info with you about how you can get your own one-on-one coaching session with me to address the issues you're struggling with, either in your teaching and or your business. Wow, it's so exciting to meet you. Hi. (laughs) It's exciting to meet you, too. What I've got... As far as what you would like to talk about today, one is that you're curious about how to narrow your focus, keeping your classes interesting, effective cueing, and adding energetics into your teaching. Yes. Yeah. Those are all things that, and it's interesting because like right before you had posted about that, um, about the coaching call and looking for people, I had just kind of put out to the universe, like, I need, I, like, I'm ready for a teacher. I need something. I need some guidance. Like, I have an idea of where I want to go. And then this popped up and I was like, oh my gosh, I'll jump on it. So I was like, ah, (laughs) it's crazy kismet. And I'm teaching everything from basics to gentle to mellow and power. And I'm just kind of like, okay, so this is great. All of these things are wonderful. I love it. I love connecting with a whole broad range and variety of students, but I'm just starting to feel a little bit drained. Like, I am not sure (laughs) if all of this is good. Like, I feel like I can focus a little bit better on something and I'm not necessarily sure which of those directions I should go. I really love teaching power because that's kind of what sings the song of my soul is the hot power vinyasa got me into it and kept me coming back to my mat. But I love sharing the basics with people to learn how to get on their mat and to basically, um, I guess what I look at is I like helping people to help themselves because 
they have to do the work, but sometimes you just don't know what to do. And then the gentle classes that I teach, there's a stronger focus on an older population. So helping them to keep, I guess in those classes, there's a strong pelvic and spine health focus because those are things that really affect all of us as we're getting older. And, you know, especially when you're older, they worry about that. And then mellow is just kind of, it's chill. I guess this is where I'm like, I don't know where to go. <laughs> so. so I hear that you're feeling a little drained from your teaching. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably a good. And you're wondering if the reason that you're drained is because you're all over the place teaching so many different styles. Yes. Might be, might not be. So let's dig in a little bit more. Okay. How many classes a week do you teach? Right now I'm teaching four study classes a week and it's the one of each. If you think through your week and you think about how you feel when you're done teaching each of those classes, is it pretty consistent or do some classes you feel different from others when you're done teaching? Um, I think it changes at times. Uh, sometimes you get in there and it just feels just hard in general, um, whether it's just whatever people are bringing to class and trying to sift through that and trying to help them kind of let go of some of the things that they're bringing. So I think there's some of that. Um, and I'm sure a lot of times it has to do with like my outside life as well, trying to balance that. I have four kids and my husband works a rotating schedule and, um, yeah, and then balancing my practice, which I've gotten much better about making sure that I'm taking the time to get on my mat, which is always helpful for sure to have that space there for myself. I'd say probably after the basics class is the one that I feel most drained. Okay. So I'd say that's probably there. Okay. Even though what's going on in your life is going to affect you how you walk into class, my experience is that it actually doesn't have a huge effect on how I feel when I walk out of class. True. What has the biggest effect is whether or not I feel like I really shared my truth in that class. When I show up to a class and I am fully present with the students and I feel comfortable and confident to share my passion and my truth and my understanding of yoga, I always feel good when I walk out, no matter what's going on outside of class. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Sometimes how you feel when you walk outside of class has to do with whether or not the class format is a good fit for where you are right now in your ability and desire to share yoga. Is that class attracting the people who are ready to hear what you have to say because it's very draining to be like sharing your heart and have people kind of like not getting it not connecting not taking it in that makes so much sense that's just like mind blown yeah that makes so much sense when you show up and doesn't matter if it's one student or 30 students the people if the majority of the people in the room are like nodding and and looking at you and receiving your message, you'll walk out of there feeling peaceful and energized and content 
because you fulfilled your dharma. Yeah, that makes so much sense. So when you're thinking about narrowing down a niche or focusing more, it's helpful to think about, well, who are the people who are ready to hear the message that I have in the words that I use? And one of the ways of, of testing that is, how do I feel when I walk out of these classes? Another way to start checking in about this is within those classes, are there any students who particularly stand out to you as being really rewarding to teach? Yeah, definitely. Tell me about them. There's one woman, should I use names or not use names or? I think it's fine to use first names. Okay, so. I mean, you're, you're saying complimentary things about them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I, I, think, I guess there's two that, that really stand out in my mind and they are older. Um, so they come to my gentle flow class. It used to be named golden age. So it was to help draw that older crowd in. And I, you know, that class actually is really wonderful. Like that whole class stands out for sure because they just show up. They're like, let's do this. I love what you do. And it's really fun. And, you know, I kicked my own butt in that class, but these ladies are like, yes, you know, give us more. But there's, there's probably two in particular, God, maybe even more than two, but I think the, the common thing with all of them is that they, since the studio opened in the beginning of October, they have been consistently showing up on their mat. They are consistently working on things in their practice and asking questions and continuing to progress and I see their frustration and I honor it because I, I understand I've been there and you know even something as simple as chaturanga like they, they get frustrated because that's a freaking hard pose <laughs> and they keep trying they keep with plank and they keep with um, using their knees and really finding that engagement in their body and you know they just keep showing up. They just keep going. They keep, I don't know if it's tenacity or just that drive that they, they want to progress further or they just keep showing up and they want more and they want to build on their practice and they want to, to be healthy. And they're asking questions about some of the emotional aspects of things or why am I feeling like this? Those, I think that's kind of the common theme with those students that I've connected with and they just want more and they're willing to keep working at what they're finding is challenging to help kind of break down some of those walls and barriers that we get stuck in and they just keep going. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. It is really rewarding to teach people who are committed because you won't make any progress in yoga without commitment. Right. Definitely. On the chaturanga situation, do you ever teach it at the wall or even better using a chair? No. You can reduce the load and make it more accessible to help them build the strength in the body awareness by not having them so close to the ground. So close to the ground, there's a lot more load. But if you can, say, find more of an, an angled plank, you can use the wall, that's gonna be the easiest, or a chair a little bit harder. Okay. That can regress the challenge of chaturanga 
enough to the point that they can start building some body awareness around it. And then eventually doing that for a while, they can come back to the floor and translate that to the floor. Play around with it at home. It's, it's, you know, it's not the most seamless flow, right? but it's worth it when there's a specific pose that people are really struggling with consistently because practicing something that you're not ready for over and over and over is actually not going to lead you there. Yeah, absolutely. Back to your students and the consistency, I wonder if a series format might be more rewarding for you. Since one of the things that really feeds you is consistency and dedication, maybe you could transition your basics class into another gentle flow. And ideally you would make that those at consistent times so that the same people would come. Whatever, you know, say, say your gentle flow class is at 9.30 on Tuesday, if you could do another one 9.30 on Thursday, that already would create some structure for more consistency. And then as an option, one or both of these things could happen. You could do that and or you could also ask people to sign up for your classes in for a full month, for two months, for three months. It kind of depends on, you know, how many, what, what your audience size is and their commitment level. If you have enough people who are really dedicated, then you can share with them, okay, we're, we're transitioning to a quarterly schedule. And the reason for this is to help you guys progress more by not having random people dropping in and by getting your commitment, we're all gonna grow more. So that might be something that you do now or it might be something that you stick in your pocket to do later on. But it's just, it seems like a format that might be a good match for what works for you as a teacher. I would definitely talk to the studio owner though about transitioning your basics class, how you can get your schedule to be a little bit more consistent and have more opportunity for continuity for the same students to attend your classes multiple times per week rather than teaching a different group each time. How does that sound to you? It sounds good. Like it already feels like less of a, I don't want to say less of a load, but like less, it, not less, but lighter. Better. It's not, yes, lighter. There we go. Thank you. Um, yes, it does sound lighter and it already feels like lighter, like, yes, okay. You know, I could teach another gentle flow and be totally happy with that. You're a relatively new teacher. Mm -hmm. So I don't feel like you need to rush into saying, I'm only going to teach gentle flow. If you feel a love of power also, you could, you know, you could do the same thing with power two twin gentle flows and two twin power classes. So then you're only teaching two types of classes and each of them have consistency like at the time of day, right? So, so that you can have more consistency between your students. Or if you would rather just switch all to gentle flow, that would be completely your call. But either one of those I think would be a lightening of your load. Yeah, I don't want to switch all to gentle flow because I do love, like, with power, teaching a little bit. Like, I like teaching arm balance and stuff like that. Like, it's fun. I, I feel like it's a really fun aspect of teaching. So, and to have people laugh and maybe fall gently or not gently. But, you know, it, that's a really fun, rewarding thing to teach for me. So, I, I enjoy it. 
Great. So that addresses the narrowing focus, I think. Does that feel like enough for you right now on that? Yeah, it does. Feels good. I think that lightening of your load is going to start to feed into your second desire of keeping your classes interesting. When we, when we feel a heavy load, then that pressure is going to kind of dampen and dampen our creativity, dampen our joy. So to start with that, I think that will have some feed over crossover effect. But tell me more about how you feel like your classes maybe aren't so interesting. How, where are you struggling? Give me more details. I guess especially probably I struggle most with the gentle flow honestly to keep that a little bit different and keep moving in interesting ways gently I I am just not exactly sure where to go or I guess maybe if I doing it right am I actually teaching a gentle flow and just coming up with the different sequences because I am not good about getting on my mat and just teaching gentle or not teaching, but flowing gently. I get on my mat and I just move the way my body needs. And I know that that probably doesn't necessarily translate all the time into gentle. So I kind of, I, there's somewhat, as much as I like teaching it, there's somewhat of a disconnect. And I know that's probably me feeling like I have to keep pushing. That's very type A of me. I know like this, that I have to push or go a little bit harder and finding that dialing back and connecting it and knowing like, hey, it's okay to, you know, slow down a second and, you know, really kind of nourish and nurture and take care of yourself versus pushing it as far as you can go. So maybe there's kind of that disconnect there. Okay. Sure. Absolutely. My first suggestion which is maybe leaving the, the concept of the disconnect aside for a moment, is to increase your level of education about anatomy and biomechanics. Because when you understand how the human body moves, you can think about the pose that you would do and figure out how to reduce the load, which is what makes it gentler. Okay. And so that's exactly what we talked about in, with the plank, how if you understand what factors are leading to, or the chaturanga, right? If you understand what factors are leading that to be too challenging for that population, then you can figure out how to modify it to give the same effect with less load, basically make it more accessible. Then in a class like that, where really this is how I teach in general, is I always start with what's the version of this exercise that I know everyone in this class can do. It might not be easy for everybody, but I know that everybody's going to be able to do it in a solid way. Start by teaching that. And then as you watch them, if you see that some people are ready to try the next more challenging version, then you can add that on as an option. If this pose or this exercise is already challenging for you, stay there. If you feel like you're doing this pose really well and really easily and you want more challenge, try this. 
but it does require understanding the human body a little bit better than most yoga teacher trainings provide. Yes, definitely. And I, and I love A&P and I've taken, um, I have taken continuing education and that's one of the things that has come up as well is um, kinesiology actually has kind of come up. And as soon as you said the biomechanics and the movement of the body, I'm like, well, there it is again. So yeah, that sounds like it really is a direction that I do need to take and to, to sit and to study that and to play with that, even myself, to understand how that feels. I wish you were closer and I could invite you to myself and two other yoga teachers, one of whom is also a massage therapist and the other one a physical therapist. We're putting together a, a continuing education training for yoga teachers to specifically address these skills that I think are essential for yoga teachers. That sounds amazing. <laughs> we may put that online at some point, but we're just doing it for the first time this spring. So I wish you could come to that, but <laughs> maybe. So when is it? Maybe I could plan a trip. Well, it's a, it's a series. So it's five oh, okay. weekends in a row. So it's really designed for people in this region who can at least drive in. Right. Yeah, that would be really awesome for sure. But we may also, we wanted to do it as a series because I think people learn best in chunks to have time to integrate and, and practice, but we may end up also creating a weekend out of it for people to fly in. Cool. So we'll keep you updated on that. Yeah, please do, because it sounds really awesome. And yeah, the anything having to do with moving the body, I'm fascinated with and I love it. So that that's not a stretch for me to try and find something. And I, I think that's probably why I feel so passionate about gentle flow because I want to, one of the main things being a, like being a teacher, as I, I said, you know, I love to help people help themselves, but also I really feel that there's a way to make yoga accessible for, you know, everyone really. I mean, there's something all over the place and to, I don't know, just to like bring it and to keep it accessible. So yes, yeah, definitely learning more about the body and how to make this accessible is, yeah. 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 And to me, to me, the word isn't necessarily accessible, although that's important too, but it's to make it progressive so that each person can find their entry point and progress from there. Yeah. That's a really good word for it because that resonates because there's, you know, a starting point and then you just keep going. Does that address your question about keeping things interesting? Is that, has that touched on the heart of your concern? Yes. Are there other aspects of it that we haven't touched on yet? Um, no. I think a lot of it is probably just continuing to be a student myself to help translate and to help keep, to remember to have that beginner's mind as well, but to... I think being a student myself to be able to continue to move forward so that I can help translate that in teaching so that people can have a, a practice of their own safely and effectively. Another suggestion I have for you is to start teaching some privates because in a private session, you can have a dialogue and you can learn about what it's like to be in bodies that are different from yours. Do you have a place that you could teach privates? Yes. Yep. I have taught privates. I've taught a few. I had in Virginia, there was a woman who was coming quite regularly 
And since being here, I taught one at the studio that I'm teaching at. So the owner put her in contact with me and she came and we had a lesson and that was that. So start mentioning in your gentle flow classes, kind of offhand, if you like, or in more, more clearly, more specifically, if you like, that you offer privates. You can just kind of weave it into the teaching. And if we were in a private, we would do this right now or something like that. Just mention it. Oh, start, to, okay. start to pique the curiosity of those who might be curious. And then depending on how much the studio owner is going to charge you, I would come up with a package rate that's very reasonable because you're considering this as your, this is you getting paid to continue your education. Okay. So come up with a package rate that's really accessible just to start with and think about, okay, how many lessons would I be willing to commit to, to doing with one person? Is it three or five or 10? And then come up with a package rate. I don't know your market. I don't know your population, but come up with something that's kind of like, okay, they've given me something, so they're committed to it, but it's kind of a no brainer as far as the cost. It has, to, it has to feel fair to you. It has to feel like you're like, wow, I get paid to learn. This is going to be amazing. And then your, your work during the private is to really watch and listen. You're going to share, you're going to guide, but as much as sharing and guiding, you're learning what you can learn from this person and what it's like to be in their body. Ask them lots of questions. How does this feel? What about, what if you turn your shoulder this way? Does that make it more intense or less intense? Does that make it harder or easier? You can ask them some open-ended questions like how does this feel, but don't expect too much from those. Follow up with more specific questions where they have a range of answers. Is that the same, harder, or easier? So that instead of having to, in their own minds, come up with words to describe their experience, they get to just choose their place on a scale that you've given them. Does that feel interesting to you to do that? It does feel interesting. It's kind of a shift in perspective in terms of, you know, instead of just offering something, but also making it a learning experience for myself as well. So like, I, I like that exchange. There's balance there. Yeah. And, and so the exchange is that you're going to charge them a bit less than you might if you were thinking about this as like purely an offering, but enough that they're committed and enough that you feel like it feels like just such a win-win. Any other questions about what that would look like or? Honestly, I, yeah, the short answer is no. Just there, there's like that integration process that I have in my brain. Like it'll sink in and then I know there'll be something else that'll come up later. But it makes sense. So just kind of sitting with like the, just like, just letting it sink in and thinking about it. Your next question was about effective cueing. Can you say more about that? So I enjoy cueing. <laughs> ultimately. And I know that not every cue or not, or that cues won't land with every person. So I have a specific set of cues ultimately that I use, but I don't know that they're translating to people in classes just from what I've seen with the, with, with returning students showing up. Um, 
So one thing I'll, I'll cue is, you know, you know, inhale, your right leg rises, exhale, your knee to nose, really squeezing it in. And then like, if you inhale that leg up or exhale, step it through, depending on where we're at in the, in the flow. Trying to translate that shifting forward, that pressing through your hands, kind of doming your shoulders and really squeezing your knee in, that's probably the simplest one, but trying to translate it to people so that they're not sinking in. I know some of that has to do with form and plank or even just in down dog or having the upper body strength to, and over the course, I mean, there's so many things there. <laughs> it's, this is a rabbit hole. But to, to get them to find that engagement, it's to bring awareness to those muscles and those movements in the body. And then, you know, once they step their foot through, I get one remembering to cue that, you know, really on your inhale, really engage your, your feet and your legs and rise, feel that lift in your core and fingers reaching tall, maybe for a high lunge, for example. Oh, I get it, girl. I get it. Yeah. No, I yeah. totally get it. Okay. I've got another perspective shift for you that may take a, you may want to sit with and, and let sink in. Okay. What if you think about teaching instead of cueing? Cueing is about getting the majority of people into the closest version of the shape you're trying to explain with as few words as possible, right? Without interrupting your flow. Teaching is about leading them to a deeper understanding of their body. So to cue, you're really focused on the flow and not interrupting that, but still using your words effectively to get them to find this shape. But they're not going to find it if they haven't been taught first. Okay. So what, in order to teach something, if your cues aren't working, if they're not learning through your cues, you need to regress the shape. You need to simplify the shape. If you take them down to their hands and their knees and have them do something called scapular push-ups. I know exactly what those are. Okay. Scapular push-ups for anybody listening who doesn't know is a closed chain movement. Your hands are on the ground. So your hands are stable. As you push into the ground, your shoulder blades spread apart and your upper back does that spreading and doming. Then you do the reverse by drawing your shoulder blades towards each other. Your elbows don't bend, your spine as much as possible doesn't move, but you're isolating that movement to your shoulders. And by simplifying the shape, you give them a very clear and embodied experience of what you're talking about. Then when you take them through the flow, you just refer back to the exercise they've already done. Just like when you were doing the scapular push-ups on your hands and knees. So you build progression. We're coming back to that word again. You build progression into your flow so that each movement builds on the movements that you've already taught and you taught the concepts in the simplest shape. Then you layered complexity into it and then remind them, bring their brains back to that simple shape to help them find it in the more complex shapes. That's so simple. <laughs> and it's so easy to forget. You get caught up in like everything else. Yeah, that that makes sense. I think it's easy to get caught up in the creativity of the flow and making that like 
something like a, an art form and we forget to ask ourselves what the purpose is, what the intention is. So it's always, always about coming back to the intention. What is my purpose for being here? Yeah, I guess it comes back to the kind of that beginner's mind as well. You know, you get, you get lost and then you're just like, hey, come back. Right. Yeah, 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 definitely. Okay, so we have just a few more minutes and we can touch on your question about energetics into teaching, but I want to hear from you more about what that means to you. Well, I have um, level two Reiki cert, I guess, and I enjoy energy work. I enjoy like the like Reiki guided meditation. I enjoy, especially my classes, I will cue, um, especially like in reverse warrior, feeling that big long line of energy from your heel all the way through your right side to your right fingers, for example. So you know, feeling that energy come in. And then also in like triangle pose, for example, having them draw their attention to like their solar plexus chakra and their belly, and then feel the energy radiating out from there as if they were a sun in triangle pose. So I guess kind of that idea of just getting things moving in the body, maybe helping things to become unstuck or for people to release, um, helping to bring more energy in for people, or if they're feeling kind of frenetic and ungrounded, bringing them back down to the earth and helping them to ground and maybe come back center. You are wanting to get better at helping people experience yoga poses as a way to both become more ground to experience groundedness and presence and freedom at the same time. Is that right? Yeah. And are we talking about cueing? Like what's the language I use to do this? What would be the language to help with that? The language would be personal. It would be based on what works for you and what you notice works for your students. Okay. Some of it is about offering appropriate poses for your students. If they are in a shape or a variation of a shape that they are able to access with a lot of skill, they're going to get that grounding and freedom. You don't have to say anything. Okay. My experience is that you can't force somebody to, to have that experience. You can't really you can share your experience in this pose. When I do this and this, this is what I feel. So you can kind of like open their sensors to, to be to like, oh, do I feel that? Oh, oh, I do feel that part of it. So you can suggest that. But if somebody's in like a triangle pose that's, you know, really a, a kind of contorting their bodies, and they're pushing in it, they're not going to feel that balance. They're not going to feel that sense of like, whoa, I'm really present and I feel completely free at the same time. Oh, oh my God, this is amazing. They're not going to get that True. in a shape that's not appropriate for their bodies. And, and if they're efforting in a way that isn't balanced. So I'm 
kind of circular, circling around to say is the way to help people experience that balanced energy is to teach them how to do the poses in a balanced way and to share with them what the intention is, to share with them that you want them to feel that balance. And here's what's worked for you. It's kind of that, it goes back to that progression and kind of dialing it back and building from there. Yeah. And inviting them to build by having first created an imprint in an accessible variation so that they, as they layer on, they have that reference point of like, okay, now I'm starting to lose the feeling of freedom or okay, now I'm starting to lose the feeling of grounding. So I know I need to back up a little bit or I'm going to just focus on the things that I can do in this shape that are taking me in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. So for example, when you're cueing that lunging, standing up in the lunge and you're noticing they have no connection to their core, they're not pressing their feet into the ground. What you're seeing, the energetic side of it is that they're not grounded in that shape. So have them drop their knee first. I don't know. There's lots of ways to do it. Right. Yeah. There's lots of ways to do it. And you can try and experiment and see, give them the experience of grounding in another shape that's easier. And then remind them of that. Remember that that's what you're looking for as you're coming up. Remember that uh, knee to chest version, how you really felt your core engage. I want you to find that on your way up into your lunch. And don't move, don't move so quickly if you, can't, if you can't hold on to it. Slow down so that you can keep it the whole time. That makes so much sense. <laughs> this is such like, these are all things, you know, I've heard before, but to hear it again and to hear a different perspective is so helpful. It's like, and to hear it in context of the things that you are noticing and caring about right now. Because yeah. if you hear something and you it's kind of like, oh, that's a good idea, but I don't have any context for it. You're not going to really hang on to it. So anyway, since this is going to become a podcast episode, whenever you start losing your, like if you start kind of spiraling out into these same issues, you can come back and listen again. True. That is so true. (laughs) It's sort of funny, like (laughs) hearing yourself, but that's okay. You get used to it. I've gotten used to it. Well, I'd like to say that it's, you know, easy, not easier to hear myself talk. I've gotten used to my yoga voice and my kids would laugh because they're like, what are you doing? Because my mom voice is very different from my yoga voice. But yeah, like hearing yourself is, it does take some getting used to. So I can just imagine how you feel hearing your podcast. (laughs) It's so funny. It's so true, though, that you just get used to whatever you get used to, you know, whatever you repeat. And um, I'm learning to enjoy it. Cool. I know. And of course, it totally was excruciating at first. I'm sure. And now I like it. Well, that's awesome. That's refreshing to hear, actually, because you always hear people, you know, with the negative, like, I hate my voice. And you're like, well, it's your voice. It's not that bad. (laughs) So... Yeah, and that actually gives me, um, leads me to another exercise that you can do that will improve your cueing, which is to record yourself teaching and listen to it. Okay. Do you want to 
have like an um, action list. Create. That's one of the things I do with clients is I create kind of some accountability. And you can just be accountable to the Yoga Teacher Resource Facebook group. So sure. we'll create a list and then you'll come and let us know when it's done. Absolutely. I'm more than happy to do that. I need somebody to keep me accountable. <laughs> we all, I mean, I think we all do. I just have never actually met somebody who, well, now I say that my husband, he doesn't. He just no. does everything on his list, like a, a bull. He's just like, Oh, you know, I had a list the other day. And the one thing, my kids laugh, my boys laugh because they, I, I put on there, you know, like clean out my clothes. Cause I watched a, that Conmari, but I don't know. I cleaned out my clothes. I need to do it. We're about to move into a new house. So I, I needed to do it. And I had like clean out my clothes, clean out the hall closet, clean out the bathroom sink. And then like, I snuck in there chill out and read a book with an arrow, maybe in the bathtub. <laughs> and my kids laughed so hard at that. And that's what I did that day. I chilled out. I went to practice. I chilled out in my bathtub, read a book, and then I took a nap for an hour. <laughs> it was well, so good. Well, you have four kids, that <laughs> is like golden. You have got to chill out in the bath with a book sometimes. I, you know what, a bath is like my go-to self-care. If I can take a bath, it's like, one, it just feels good. Two, it like washes away the day for me. And then three, it's just like a moment of peace, like just some peace. A hundred percent. Okay. So let's come up with your action plan. One, I'm thinking, talk to your studio owner about shifting your schedule. Okay. And about teaching privates. Tell her that you're gonna be doing some active marketing for privates and come up with some kind of agreement with her about how much you pay her for using the space. Okay. Two, find a kinesiology or biomechanics slash anatomy training. So does that seem like a good action item for you is to find a, a training? Yes. Three is come up with a package for privates. Come up with like your, your guidelines, your boundaries, your structure. Okay. Based on what we talked about already today, was there anything else that kind of jumped out at you as, do you want to do a recording? Um, yes. Yeah, I'll do a recording. Okay. I think four is a good number. This has been super helpful and I really appreciate it. And it's just really exciting. It kind of reaffirms, you know, some of the things that have come up since um, signing up for this, but also, you know, helping me to kind of get grounded actually. And, you know, okay, come back. Here's another starting point and go from there. So that's really, really helpful. And I appreciate that because as an air sign, I kind of get lost and like, I'm just start floating away. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's my pleasure. It's my joy to do it. And I appreciate you being willing to let me record it. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. I, I seriously am very grateful for this. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Come back and let us know on the group um, how, how these things go. Do, do I have a certain time frame or just kind of pick away at them? No, you're right. Having a time frame is really good. So, but you tell yeah. me. I can probably have these done within a couple of weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. 
Awesome. Great work today. Thank you. You too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll stay in touch. Perfect. Thank you so much, Mado. I appreciate it. Yeah. My pleasure. Bye. Bye. I hope that hearing the questions and struggles of a fellow teacher gave you some insight for your own teaching. Working one-on-one -on -one with yoga teachers is my absolute hands-down favorite thing to do because we get to dive right to the heart of what each individual needs to work on the most. While there are always overlaps and parallels between your experience and other experiences, and you can definitely learn a lot by taking courses and listening to podcasts, there's really nothing like getting individual attention. Partly this is because you can't gloss over the hard parts or the parts that you're resisting when you're working with somebody one-on-one. -on -one. One of the things about my personality and working with me is that I am always very, very honest and upfront. So you know that when I tell you something, I'm telling you exactly what I really mean and exactly what I really think. And I'm not going to shy away from asking you to do the things that are hard for you and the things that you've been avoiding. If you want and you can do it on your own, I totally support you to do that. I'm amazed. I need help. I have coaches. But if you can do it on your own, please, more power to you. That's why I've got the podcast. You know, it's not like my coaching is providing a ton of different information than the podcast. It's just applying it personally in a specific circumstance and choosing what's the most important thing right now for this person. So if you are ready to stop wasting time, if you're ready to stop spinning your wheels and you want some help to make big things happen, I'm here for you. I am going to be taking the summer off from working with clients in a more intensive package format because I'm going to be doing a lot of traveling. So I currently have five spaces left for three-month coaching packages that need to be finished by June. And once those are gone, it's going to be September before that opportunity is available again. And I am planning to raise my rates in September. If you think you might want to be one of those five, I would love to chat with you for about 30 minutes to make sure we are a good fit. If you've already done a strategy session with me or you've done an on-air coaching call, then you don't have to do that. You get to jump to the front of the line and you can just send me an email and let me know that you want a coaching package. However, if you have not worked with me yet, it's really important to me that I only create this relationship with people who I truly believe are ready to take advantage of it. So the first step would be to book a 30-minute phone call with me by going to teachingyoga.net slash clarity. Teachingyoga.net slash C-L-A-R-I-T-Y. On that call, you will share a bit with me about your goals and your challenges, and I'll outline the path that I think we would take together if you were to sign up for a package. At the end of the call, if it feels like you are a good fit, we'll look at our calendars, we'll choose the dates and times for all the sessions included in your package, and I'll send you an invoice. I love actually doing these calls. They're really simple, fun, and low pressure. I always give you some advice about your business that you can use whether or not we decide to work together. And it's always really enjoyable to get to talk shop with another yoga teacher. So if you have a sense that you might like to do this, that you might like to work with me one-on-one -on -one for three months, I'd love to meet you. I'd love to hear about your business.
I have a limited number of spots available, both for the big package and even for the 30-minute calls. So if you're sure that now is not the time for a coaching package, just leave those slots for somebody who's ready to take action. My ideal client, the person that I love to work with the most, is a yoga teacher who is smart, hardworking, and has a strong sense of ethics. If you know somebody who fits that bill and might benefit from my help, please refer them to the podcast because that's the best way for them to get to know me. Speaking of the podcast, I want to thank all of you who have left reviews recently. Amy McSee left a really sweet one this week. She says, thank you for bringing a warm community feel to your podcast. I recently moved from the city where I did my yoga teacher training and lost my close yoga community. I'm building a new community in my new town and having the support of your podcast and Facebook group have really helped me to move forward. Thank you. Thank you, Amy. I know that most people who listen and enjoy a podcast are not even going to write a review, so it means a lot that you took the time to do so. And to all my listeners, whether you have reviewed or not, I can see that you're listening and I'm so grateful to have so many yoga teachers who are interested in the topics that I'm bringing up. So thank you for being part of my community. If you're not already on the Yoga Teacher Resource Facebook group that Amy mentioned, you can join by going to teachingyoga.net slash join. That's all I've got this week. I hope you'll come back and listen next week for another episode of Knowledge, Techniques, and Inspiration Just for Yoga Teachers. Have an amazing week. Mm-hmm.